really felt God did something in our first um, service um, around this topic. And we just closed out a series on wisdom. Um, for me, it's one of my favorite ser- sermons, sermon series I've ever preached and, and studied for and prepared for. And I even, um, we uh, actually had a gathering of reg- regional youth pastors from the area at our church yesterday morning. And um, I got to share. And one of the things I actually took uh, an excerpt from that series to even challenge youth pastors and 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 around wisdom and and the fool and this tension that we live in. I'm just uh, feel this growing passion for that topic. But we're finally gonna put uh, we're gonna close that chapter and move on. I kept adding weeks to it. Kept adding bonus messages. Kept extending it. Um, but really, this week I want to talk about around a message that is uh, in line with the kind of day we're trying to have as a church with Mayfest happening tonight. And I cannot wait. Um, one of the reasons I love uh, events like Mayfest as well is it gives us this opportunity. Um, you know, if you don't know, most people attend church uh, around 30% of the time, and then we're split over two services. So there's only a couple times a year, kind of Easter Sunday might be one of those days, Mayfest, Our Center Lights, these certain key moments where we kind of get to see our whole church. And it's awesome. We're all, it's always that moment like, wow, I didn't realize the impact or the amount of people that go and call artisan home. But it's one of those moments we get to see our church, but more than that, uh, we get to really reach out into the community. And we see so many people come to Mayfest more than any other event that have no connection to artisan, but they saw the signs, they saw a post, they got an invite, and they showed up. And really, uh, if you were a part of our church during our Builder Series last year, you heard that one of our house values here at Artisan Church is outreach. And this idea that we want to be an outward-focused church. The moment a church becomes inward and self-serving, it actually begins to die. You're actually closing it off to the streams of living water, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ that actually brings life change to people. And so when churches turn inwards, um, it slowly caves in on itself. And so Mayfest is our greatest expression of that value of outreach. And today I want to um, continue on that topic that we really talked about at the outreach message two years ago. If you were here two years ago, I preached a message on the good news, the gospel message, what is the good news. Um, and today I want to talk about our part to play, specifically around a word that is common in church culture. I want to talk about evangelism. What is evangelism mean for us? What does it mean for us? What does it look like for us to be a part of evangelism? And really evangelism is a connection between two different Greek words coming together. You have euangelion, a good message, or the gospel, the good news, and euangelezo, uh, to announce, declare, bring, or preach this good news. And I know I pronounced those wrong. I listened to it a couple days ago and forgot what it actually sounds like. To announce, declare, bring, or preach this good news. So you've got this good message, this good news, and then the gospel message, and then you've got the second word that is to announce, declare, to bring or to preach the good news. So essentially, there's this idea of it's this message that you've received, you've accepted, and you're living out as an example, and then it's also connected to now sharing, preaching, telling, and letting people know. For many people who've been serving God for a little while, the first part, accepting the good news is accomplished, trying to live by that good news, you're doing it, but it's this second piece. This announcing, this declaring, this bringing, this preaching that is just a little more challenging. This understanding that there's this other layer, this part that I have to play in it. 
And um, if you're like me at all, um, part of that challenge, uh, I've definitely had seasons where my view of evangelism was skewed through like sort of popular Christian culture of the time. For example, when I say evangelism, many of us have different mental images of what that is. Maybe the first thing that popped in your head, maybe you were raised in church during like Billy Graham crusade eras, and you immediately think of a stadium. You picture a stadium and people flooding an altar. That's evangelism. One person preaching the gospel, thousands flooding a platform. Maybe uh, you recently went to a sporting event. I know for me, I went to a concert, and there was somebody outside of the XL Energy Center with a bullhorn standing on a crate holding a major large sign. I don't know why, too. They always print these huge large signs in tiny little font. There was this tiny little font. I'm like, no one can read that guy. Like, no one can read anything you're trying to say. And he was just yelling at people. He was just yelling at people, telling them all they're going to hell and basically condemning people to hell. Maybe that's your mental image of somebody with a bullhorn on a street corner, and you're like, I don't think I'm the bullhorn guy, Pastor Sam. Like, please tell me you're not leading, you're not passing out bullhorns as we exit. Like, I don't know if that's really my vibe. Like, I don't know if I'm that kind of person. Uh, maybe for you, too, you've um, encountered um, street evangelism. And, and one really popular way to do street evangelism is via tracks. Have you ever found a tract? And, uh, and have you ever been convinced and you see the $100 bill track? It's cruel. Okay, I've had that. Like, I've literally picked it up, like, cash money in the park, and I open it up, and, right, it's a little thing, and, and we think of tracks or, or somebody, right, that, that, that idea of, of sort of just, like, well, I'm planting a seed, and I'm just sort of throwing this out there. The problem is, is that sometimes we see evangelism as these few second interactions. Notice the consistent theme with those moments. It's a quick hand raise say this prayer, it's read this track, hope it lands, it's I'm yelling at you as you pass by. Those three categories, while many people have gotten saved, and many people here, you'd share your testimony that you did get saved and that you did actually transform your life and you did follow Jesus. Actually, the majority of those that have heard those encounters, it's fallen on deaf ears. And so there's also other layers to evangelism beyond those three tactics. Those are just models. Those are just approaches. They are not in and of themselves evangelism. Evangelism runs much deeper. It's a much broader topic. And there's many different ways that you can evangelize the people in your neighborhoods, your family members who don't know Christ, to the people at your workplace, that you can shine the light of Jesus in your life. It's not limited to a couple models or um, um, tools or tactics. It goes beyond this. And I want to actually for me, whenever I feel stuck in what I see culturally showcased around a Christian topic is I, I go, Jesus, what did you say on this? Like, like, is that model, is that exactly what you told us to do and it's the only way we can go about this? Or is there some other ways, is there some other approaches? And let's just be really blunt too. Th th this is important. And I'm gonna I'm, this message in general, just letting you know, this is going to be for people who, who are in church who accepted Jesus. This is really a call to Christians going into tonight. But, but let's be really honest too. All of the tactics and the models and the tools that we've used for evangelism, sometimes what happens is they're really effective in a window of time. Um, something might open the door. Like if you don't know, the Sunday after 9-11 is like record church attendance in America, right? The door was open and if you were a pastor who didn't change your sermon series the next Sunday 
and you didn't preach to what was happening, you were probably pretty naive. Like, no, we got to stay in. I'm in James chapter 3, and we're not changing. No, you, they were opening up. They were evangelistic in nature. Certain moments happen where people um, open up to the gospel. Then there's some moments, like just like there's a generation that was, my generation was the, I understood um, pre-9-11, post-9-11. Now there's a generation that is going to understand pre-COVID, post-COVID. COVID was the opposite. COVID shut everyone down to the gospel. Churches were empty. Not a lot of people came back to church. And so tactics needed to change. People didn't just show up the next Sunday after COVID. No, they didn't come. That's the whole point. And so you have to go, okay, what are we going to do to get evangelized, to bring the gospel? Every time that, ch- that culture shifts, the church has to come up with new strategies, new ideas. But sometimes what we do is we take models or tools or tactics that a human created and we act like they are the gospel itself. No, no, no. It's not the, the, the tactics of getting the gospel message out are always going to change and shift according to what's happening because we want to meet people where they're at to lead them where they need to go. And so the reality is I have to understand that. So those models, they are not the gospel. And so if you found one effective in one season, the problem is for some reason, sometimes as Christians, we can just stick with something even once it stopped working. We got comfortable in it. We have to be willing to ask, okay, in the world we live in today, this post-COVID world and, and this world, this post-Christian America, what does it look like to evangelize? Because it's probably going to be a little more nuanced. There's going to be a little more to it. And we need to start breaking this down. And so I'm not, I'm not here to give all the answers. I'm here to go to the Word and say, what does Jesus say? And, and I more want to encourage us that we must do this, that we need, that there is a high value on evangelism. And don't let potentially a negative experience you had cut you off from listening to this message. Please listen. Please listen. Can we go to this with fresh eyes, new eyes, and see what Jesus says? Um, so really, um, let's get beyond seeing evangelism. My, my call today is can we go beyond seeing this as some sort of chore? I found that some Christians talk about evangelism like my kids talk about the dishes. It's just what I got to do to be a part of the family. Yeah, I know. It's hard. It's no fun, but it's just what we got to do. It's a part of it. It's in the Bible. So we got to do this rather than, man, this is so exciting. How fun is this? How man, We get to reach people. We get to talk with them about Jesus. How are we going to do this? This is so exciting. This is not just some chore of Christianity. This is the heartbeat. This needs to be the thing that is moving us and challenging us. And it should be the thing we're wrestling with and and asking God constantly, how can I be a part? And what's so interesting is if God is for us, why would he commission you and challenge you to do something that would hurt you? Evangelism actually helps you. It brings healing. It brings life to you. He's actually encouraging you to do this, not solely because of the lost people, but he knows that when you get inward, just like the church, when you get self-obsessed, when you get inward, you die. You shut off from the world. You can become a recluse. My mom and I were having this conversation this week, and we went out for Mother's Day, and we were talking about how there is just this rise in reclusion, like people holding, like just staying in their house all the time just avoiding human interaction, almost celebrating the fact that they don't have to get out, go out anymore, that groceries can get brought to their front door, that they can interact with people online, that they don't even need to show up anymore. 
there's this push right now to just sort of recluse, just tuck away. That's why COVID didn't lead to this radical salvations and evangelism because it caused everybody to pull away from society, pull away from community, pull away from human interaction. And we have to fight against that desire and say, no, no, I have to be out. It's good for me to be out and on mission and being effective. It's good for me to have a purpose. It's good for me to have work to do. It's good for me to carry this call to evangelism. I need to have this. Amen. Can I get a little bit of an amen? Come on. Christians cannot recluse. You cannot recluse. And I get it. We all have days where we're like, bye, I'm going to hide in my house for 24 hours. I'm not talking about that. You got to recharge, okay? We all have our introverted moments. Even the biggest extroverts, you're like, yeah, people, I need a break, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just saying, man, I'm just going to hide in my house. I'm going to hide away from French. I'm going to isolate myself. We cannot do it because we are, have a call and a mission to evangelize those who are far from the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. Let's go to scripture before we go anywhere else. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. So what does Jesus do? If you don't know, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher of the word. And he, uh, just like um, was common in that day, he took on disciples uh, who would do life with him, who he would teach, he would preach. And much of his sermons that we have written down, he was going much deeper into that way just so you understand, a disciple of a rabbi wasn't just trying to learn how to say what they said, but they were learning how to live the way they lived. And so it was like, hey, here's actually my approach to life. Here's my application of my teaching. Here's my application of the word. Here's what it means to live according to my teaching. And so Jesus wasn't just teaching them truth. He was teaching them the application of the truth and how to live. And so that's so much of what uh, my heart to do, for example, as a preacher, is I never just want to teach us theology. I want to help us understand how a right theology applied to your life can bring wholeness and peace and hope. And how, what does it look like to actually apply the word into your life? And so um, it, it goes beyond just understanding scripture, but actually understanding that this applies to your life today. And this is a moment where Jesus goes, okay, I've taught them about reaching people but now I'm going to make them practice it. I'm going to take my 12, and I'm going to commission them, and I'm going to charge them, and I'm going to challenge them, and I'm going to send them out to actually do it, to actually do it. You've heard me say what I need to say, and now it's time to go try it and do it. And so in verse 1 of chapter 9, it says, When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. We're not going to dive super deep into this. I just want to remind us that that same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, the helper, the Holy Spirit, the thing that Jesus said after ascending to wait for is active, moving, and alive today. And we have access to that authority. We have access to that power. It, it is something that he is offering to you to utilize as you go out. And let me tell you, you do not want to walk out and try the road of evangelism without accessing the power and the authority of Jesus. You don't want to do it. And so he's saying, hey, I'm going to give you this authority. I'm going to give you this power. And then um, he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Come on, they're about to be stinky. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet. as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news. And healing people everywhere. 
We're just going to take this text. We're only going to approach evangelism through this text, this example, and the very words that Jesus spoke, what he said, and the instructions he gave. Because there's so much here. It may seem really simple. Like, man, Jesus could have been more detailed. But there's so much behind what he was saying here. Well, the first thing is um, that the, this practice of evangelism that Jesus gave to his disciples, this evangelism taught them about authority. Right? And authority is huge with Jesus. Right? He, he attaches the, uh, the centurion's faith, um, uh, his understanding of authority, um, to saying that was great faith. To understand that you understand the authority of the kingdom of God is a mark of faith. And he's saying, disciples, I want you to understand I'm giving you a, my authority. When he's saying I'm giving you authority, he doesn't mean now, Peter, your name has authority. John, your name's God has authority. He's saying, no, no, my name has authority and I'm passing it on to you. You now get to operate with my name with my authority. I've given you my instructions. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a similar illustration, right? We understand that, that for a long time, it would always be the king's seal on a message. This, this message carries authority because the king sealed it with wax. And this has authority because of the name attached to it. In the same way, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you my authority, and I want you to operate in it. To help them begin to understand authority, he gave them power and authority. The power and effectiveness found through the name of Jesus is so key, and it never fluctuates or changes. His authority is constant. Your reliance on it is the thing that's fluctuating. Can I just remind us? His power and his authority is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's going on. It's constant. Our accessing of it is what's changing all the time. Our willingness to submit to it is what's changing all the time. Our willingness to obey the voice is what's changing all the time. So ask yourself the question today, when you think about evangelism, whose name do you represent the most in the world? Whose name do you represent the most in the world? Is it your last name? Your family name? Your company's name? What name do you represent the most? The brand that you've created? Your first name? Some of us have become even expert salespeople in our career or our fields, but we don't want to share the name of Jesus. We will share all about some other company's vision and, and ideals and plans and mission statements. But share the mission statements, the plans, the vision of the Bible. I don't know about that. The reality, whose name are you carrying the most? Whose name are you representing the most? Who are you posting about the most on social media? Who's getting the glory? Who's getting the honor? And evangelism reminds us of that authority and that power that we carry and what we are submitted to, that we actually have power. We did a message. I'm not going to dive too deep into the power because we talked about it recently in a prayer message, but you are given power and status, and when we operate under that name, God moves. You can go back and re-listen to that message if you want more on that topic. And then the second thing that we see that Jesus shows them through evangelism is that their evangelism was sharing about the kingdom, not just the king. I think this is so important. I think this is so important. He says, tell everyone about the kingdom of God. So much in this sentence. He didn't say, tell everyone about Jesus, tell everyone about me. To tell everyone about the kingdom. I'm getting them access to this kingdom. It's through me that they can live by this, that they can have hope, that they can have freedom, that they can have life, that they can have faith. But tell them about the kingdom of God. You are going to be a missionary that tries to evangelize the lost. You must tell them about 
the kingdom. And this is so interesting because it's contrary so often to what we've seen. Where we hear about Jesus and it's quick say this prayer, now you're good. Hey, just real quick, 10 seconds of your time, 10 seconds, real quick, let's set your eternity, boom, you're in paradise for the rest of your life. I, I, here, I got your eternity set, but I'm not doing anything to help you from here until then. You're just on your own. Hey, hey, make Jesus Lord of your life, quick, 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 say this prayer, say this prayer, say this prayer, say this prayer. Don't walk away until you've said this prayer. Okay, boom. I hope you figure out the next three decades. I hope you figure out the next four decades. Now, God bless. I did my part. Tally. I'm adding one. I got a notch in my Bible, baby. Let's go. Another one down. I'm out here saving people. You're saving people? Did you die on the cross? You're sa- I hate that phrase. Oh, I saved three people this weekend. Oh, you saved No, Jesus saves people. Did you tell them more about you or did you tell them more about Jesus? Did you only share about the king or did you actually share about the kingdom? Did you actually teach them how to make them Lord of their life? Or did you just try to coax them by selling them paradise like you're selling some vacation rental? Hey, hey, if you say this prayer, woo, lifetime, eternity in paradise. You made the focus the eternity in paradise and said nothing about their life. The Bible, Jesus, he actually illustrates that type of evangelism, like throwing seed on rocky soil. Like not doing the hard work in tilling the soil first, and actually making sure they're receptive. Where are they at? You know, can they understand even the principles of the kingdom? Renee and I learned this the hard way. We've got kind of sandy soil at our property. We didn't really realize this, and so we were so excited. New property, and um, and we'd not really, we'd kind of flipped so many homes that we lived in. We did these live-in flips. We never really got to the landscaping. We'd like throw down some hostas, right? Because those are easy to grow. How many know hostas are just go-to? You're trying to figure out how to landscape? Buy hostas. So we just kind of like multiply our hostas and call it good, sell the home. Well, we're finally in a place where we're staying put. We're getting to landscaping. And last year, we went and bought all these nice decorative plants, didn't do the research, didn't work the soil. We just threw them in there, throw some water on it, hope it works, how I many you know the cost was high because not one of those plants made it? We tried to transplant some trees from like the field in the back. We're like, let's just dig up these trees, throw them wherever we want. We didn't do any research. We didn't do any moss. We didn't do any soil work. We just threw them in a hole, watered it, and hoped it would work. And those trees, what did you think happened? Dead. And now I got to like fill this hole. Now I got a dead spot. Now I got to put grass down. Why? Because we rushed this process. So this year we're taking our time. We're doing the research. We asked advice. We sought help from people who know more about landscaping. We're trying to, we're asking our neighbors to understand the soil in our neighborhood. And hey, what are some ways that you've overcome this sandy soil? What are the plants that are gonna do the best? And we're doing the hard work. Why? Because we want the plants to actually grow. We want them to actually thrive. We don't want them to look good for one week as they're planted and then slowly they wither and they die. And yet so often that evangelism can sort of just be like throwing seed out. It's like throwing seed out and walking away and seeing what's going to happen. And here Jesus does not seem to commission his disciples at this type of evangelism. He's going, I want you to teach them about the kingdom. See, this is tough because when you learn about the kingdom, there's a call to make changes in your life. I can't just say, hey, profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord so you can be saved. Done easy. That's an easy sell. But then actually saying, yeah, yeah, but that drinking problem, we got to work on that. 
hey, the fact that you're raging on your kids, and I can hear you screaming at them. I'm your neighbor, and I can hear them you screaming at your kids. There's actually a better way to parent. There's actually a different way to approach this. All of a sudden, teaching people about the kingdom looks like treating them as better than yourself. That's a harder sell. Hey, actually, you know how the whole nation of America is built on the idolatry of self? It's all about you. Actually, the kingdom says it's not about you. <laughs> that doesn't sell as well, does it? It doesn't sound as easy. It's actually why I'm so excited about Mayfest. All summer, people are going to go to these different events in communities and cities and places, these for-profit events. This will be the only time that they walk in and understand the kingdom of God. Because at those events, the first people that greet them won't be warm greeters, inviting them, welcoming them to the property. They're going to pretend that they're greeters, but really what they are is they're checking your tickets. Hey, did you pay? Did you pay? Did you buy a ticket? How many kids you got there? Hey, what ages are they? Hey, only two and under are free. They look like they're three to four. I don't know. Are you sneaking them in? I've never done that. I would never lie about my kids' ages to get free tickets. Maybe once. They're going to get warm greeting. Everything's for free. Now when you go places, you can't, there's almost nowhere you can go where the entrance ticket gets you free access to everything. It's like everything costs once you get in. Every ride costs more money. Every inflatable costs more money. And people are almost like there's this intensity, but you're going to walk in. People are going to walk in from the community, and they're going to go to a pretzel truck, free. They're going to go to this fancy ice, um, cotton candy stand where they're mixing in Jolly Ranchers and doing all this mixing, free. They're going to go to the pony rides, free. You know how expensive pony rides are? Everywhere, like seriously, 10 bucks and my kid can ride a pony for three minutes? That's no joke. That's what it costs, free. Hey, everywhere you go, you're walking. Oh, oh, and actually, actually, you know how most places you go treat your kids like they're a pain? Treat your kids like they're a problem? We actually have people that are going to get down on your kid's level. I can't because of my back. I wanted to get down on my knees and I regret I'm stuck. Guys, I'm stuck. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to go back on this table. Uh, they're going to get down figuratively on the level of the children. They're going to say, hey, you matter. You're important. Can I get you? Oh, you're a little nervous about the bouncy house? I'm not going to talk about the next kid line. Hey, why don't you jump on? There's actually going to be people, I'm going to say this prophetically, there's going to be church members from Artisan that are in line for food and say, hey, you can go ahead of me. Why don't you go ahead of me? I, I can be last in line. It's good. I want to make sure you get the hot burger. Right? I'm saying that prophetically. Okay? That's how you're going to act tonight. Hey, you go ahead. Get the hot burger. Even down to small stuff, like who in their mass-producing burgers wouldn't buy frozen patties? We got fresh beef tonight. Fresh hand-packed beef. Real good burgers. Why, why does that matter? Because nobody does that. What are we doing? Oh, is that just materialism? Not at all. It's showing them the kingdom. Oh, and then we're going to line up all of these people who've accepted this invitation to live according to this kingdom, to make Jesus not Lord of their life for a day, but for the rest of their life. And they're going to tell testimonies of that, and they're going to go public with their faith, saying this way of life is better. Jesus has a better way. Jesus has hope. Jesus comes with a message of peace in a world full of division. Jesus has a message of community and life, and you should follow that too. What an amazing opportunity to show them the upside-down kingdom where they get to be served and loved and cared for and appreciated and valued. And for some of them, it may be the only time all year. But we're going to show them that kingdom. So if we're going to be evangelists for Jesus, you bring a message of the kingdom of God, not simply a message of Jesus on the cross. It's the whole package. It's the whole package. we got to go from one to the other and help them to understand this. It's vital. 
It's vital because I just don't want that to be choked out. We've got to do that part. The problem is, if you want to talk about the kingdom, here's the challenge. Here's why so many of us avoid this. Is for some of us, we, don't, we just want to talk about the prayer because that's easy. But if we talk about the kingdom of God, now we actually have to tell our testimony. Because the kingdom of God's effectiveness is tested by our life. So now I actually have to get really honest with this person that I'm still on a journey myself. You see, if I only challenge them to say a prayer, I can make it seem like I'm perfect. Hey, this is great, this is easy, but if we start getting into the nuances of the kingdom, I have to start telling them how I'm still a work in progress, but God is good, how I'm still applying this stuff. This, see, this actually helps the disciples avoid hypocrisy. Hey, you gotta actually be living according to the kingdom, and then you gotta share about the kingdom. Another one, evangelism. This model of evangelism that Jesus gave them, it actually taught them how to handle rejection. And I love this. I am so grateful that Jesus put this in here. Hey, shake the dust off your feet. If you're rejected, don't you dare carry it. This was a symbol of saying, hey, that relationship, I'm not carrying it. I'm not carrying it, right? The Bible tells us as far as it depends on us, work to be at peace with all people. And if they're not peaceful, that's not on me. I have to, I'm not going to carry their hatred. I'm not going to carry their anger. I'm not going to carry that vitriol, that intensity that they're trying to deposit into my life. He's saying, actually, shake the dust off. And I think this is important because for many of you, you stopped evangelizing because you never shook the dust off of the last rejection. And it's really easy sometimes when we put ourselves out there, we share our faith, we talk about the kingdom in a world that is post-Christian, and actually, right now, just so you know, it's one of the hardest in America. It's what happened in Europe a few decades ago. It's the hardest moment because they're not so far from it. They were still raised in Christian America and rejected it. And they rejected a form of Jesus and a, a, a misrepresentation of Jesus, so, which is way more challenging than introducing someone to Jesus. Because I'm actually having to almost remove before I renew. I have to remove your view of Jesus before I offer renewal for your life. i got to give you the right view of this thing. And so evangelism is really challenging right now. It just is in America. Um, but actually, Europe right now is opening up to the gospel again. Because you've got generations that were raised never hearing about Jesus, never hearing about the truth of his word. And so they're hearing about him for the first time. And it's really appealing. But we are in a tension where there are people that you start talking about Christian or Jesus or any of these, this language or church, they've already made up their mind about what they think they know about Jesus, Christians, and church. And so it's a lot more challenging. So just hear me. You're going to get rejected. You may, in fact, be made fun of. You might be slandered. You might be called names. They might actually associate you with people or ways of life or thinking that you do not associate with, but they've actually attached Christianity to that because it's been misrepresented by a couple of people, you're going to get rejected. So the question is, are we capable of actually shaking the dust off our feet? Or are you still carrying the last time you got bit, that you got hurt? You gotta get back up and say, I'm gonna keep sharing the good news. I'm gonna keep sharing the gospel message. No matter how many times I'm gonna get rejected. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus telling this to the disciples, He's reminding them of where to find significance as a Christ follower. You don't find significance in your success rate. You find significance in your service. 
So it's your serving of people that creates significance in your spirit. It's not your success rate. It's not your tally. This isn't about a tally. This is about teaching people about the kingdom of God and living it out. And there are going to be people that want nothing to do with it. There's going to be people that reject it. There's also going to be some people that reject it in one season because they weren't ready. And all of a sudden they come back later and they're like, I need help now. I'm a mess. Shake off the rejection. Come on, shake it off. Shake it off. You're still needed in your workplace. You're still needed in your neighborhood. You're still the Christian there. Well, I'm the only one, Pastor Sam. Yeah, praise God. There's one there, and it's you. Sorry, but that puts some pressure on you. Wonder what happens when the pressure comes? Now you rely more on the authority and the power. And you realize you can't do it anyways. You don't have the power to save, but you have the power to share. You weren't called to save. You were called to share. And you were called to live and show. Come on, that's a whole word right there. I'm not called to save. I'm called to share. And I'm called to show. Does my life show Jesus? And am I sharing his message? And if I'm doing that, I have significance in the kingdom of God. Even in the midst of rejection, even in the midst of being cut off from relationships. And that's, that, like, that's not easy. Well, Pastor Sam, you don't understand. Like, you're a pastor. You work in church. Can you imagine? I wasn't a Christian bubble guy. Like, all my friends weren't in the Christian bubble. So when I got started the road of being coming a pastor, I lost almost every friend I had. Oh, you don't drink anymore? Bye. I literally had somebody, I actually asked them, hey, why don't you guys invite me out? They go, because you don't drink with us. I know. You get rejected. You get pushed aside. And sometimes for some of us, we've been hiding the fact we're a Christian. And I also understand that motivation too because, again, sometimes you say it and you know everything's going to flip. Or maybe you've had really good conversations with somebody. They don't know you're a Christian yet. And you know the moment they find out, they're going to doubt everything they've said to you. They're like, oh, shoot, I swore. Oh, shoot, I said that. I made that dirty joke. Oh, no, I made that. They're going to think back to all of it. But at the same time, we have to carry this. We have to bring this forward. We have to tell people about this. We have to share and we have to show. Our life has to look different, church. Our, it just has to. And tonight we have this opportunity. We very intentionally moved Mayfest to 5 p.m. so that there would even be this gap, this opportunity for us to even have one last chance. Hey, is there somebody I need to bring tonight? Is there somebody I need to talk about? And actually walk with them through this event. Let them see Christians serving them. And stand next to them during the water baptisms. The keys can come on up, by the way. Stand next to them during the water baptisms and actually say, hey, do you know what's happening here? This is really cool. This is what happened. These people accepted Jesus. They're making them Lord of their life. This is what this means. This is just symbolism. It teaches us how to handle rejection, which then reminds us of where our true significance is found. I'm going to give you two really quick ones. The evangelism also reduced their materialism. He said, take nothing for your journey. I think this is really important. This is a symbol. So it doesn't mean that if you ever want to go evangelize, like you got to go with one shirt. and Don't you dare bring a second shirt. Don't read the Bible literally that way. That's an inappropriate way to read scripture. What it is is Jesus is actually talking to us about rejecting materialism. He's saying when you evangelize, it reminds you about what really matters in this world. All of a sudden, the stuff of life, the value of the stuff, because what did he teach us? That actually, all the stuff, we can't take with us. 
So he's showing through the disciples a model of eternity. When we pass into eternity, we don't get to carry all that stuff with. So he's saying, just don't even carry it. Don't even take it with you, disciples. It's a distraction. I want you reliant on me. When we evangelize, it reminds us of our source. It reminds us of our reliance. It reminds us of his authority. It reminds us of his power. And it helps us to carry all of the stuff of life and hold it loose. Hold it loose. Because what am I saying? Hey, God, if you want me to give it away, I will. Generosity is a great tactic for evangelism, by the way. Man, that's that neighbor. I don't really like Christians. He said he was. Man, he's always snowblowing my driveway before I can even get out. Man, he's always offering to help when he sees me carrying dirt. Man, I, 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 that one guy in, in the office drives me crazy, but he knew I, I broke my driver, and he gave me my driver when we were out at the golf range. Like, I don't know. Like, they're just generous. Like, there's some, it helps us remind this stuff, it, it can actually be used. And, and it's not what we take with us. And so it helps us, reminds us, and reduces our reliance on materialism. And I love that Jesus shared this. Take nothing with you. Take nothing with you. All that stuff, you don't need it. And then also we see that for the disciples, within evangelism, there's this charge and this challenge to foster community. Community is essential. We know that he sent them out in twos, and then he said, stay in the home, stay in, in the house until you leave that city. He didn't say hop around. He actually said, stay planted. Have you ever had a relationship that just didn't seem to take off? And then all of a sudden you get a weekend away with them? And also you learn everything in a weekend? Or even maybe you've talked to somebody a dozen times in the lobby, but then you get and it got nowhere in one dinner or one table that you go to, and all of a sudden you're like, I get them now, I understand them. Jesus, Jesus is actually saying, hey, if you're gonna bring the kingdom to them, and not just tell them about the king, but tell them about the kingdom the best thing you can do is do some life with them and show them. But see, this is going to challenge our faith. That means fostering community with those who are not yet behaving appropriately. And this is a challenge because hold on, Pastor Sam, my community, like I have a standard of morality before you can come close. I got my little Christian bubble. We all believe the same thing. We all think the same way. We all voted the same way. And it's good. And so I just stay in my isolation of agreement. And we all agree. And we're not challenged. And I'm safe. And I'm comfortable. And yet Jesus says, I want you to literally live in their homes. Hey, come on. Jesus modeled this. Think about Zacchaeus. The wee little man. <laughs> Can you imagine for all, like forever, your, your name is the wee little man? Notice, not only are we just calling him short, we're calling him short twice. We and little. Like, dude, short. Got it. Like, it's cruel. But Jesus goes, I'm, gonna, I'm going to your house. I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to eat at your table, and everyone's going to judge me. And all the, there's going to be all these people who will reject me because of it, but I know you're going to accept it because you're going to start thinking like the kingdom. What was the first thing Zacchaeus did? A kingdom mentality. He went and gave half of what he had. Why? Because the kingdom teaches you to be generous. So Jesus didn't just save his soul. He engaged his hands in the kingdom work. Because he got in community. He got around him. Can I challenge us, church? If all of your community is Christian, you are living too comfortable. If everyone in your sphere, and you're like, well, 
community, depending on how you want to define community, that's the really close. Even if you say, well, I want my close people to be Christian, I get it. Is even your whole network of relationships Christian? Do you not have someone to invite to Mayfest who doesn't know Jesus? That might be a good wake-up call. Man, have I not been engaging with anyone outside of my faith? Because Jesus doesn't give us that option. There's no example of Jesus going, okay, cool, I've saved enough. Now let's just sort of settle in. Let's just get real close. No new relationships. I got my group. Got my posse. Got my squad. This is it. We all agree. We figured it out. No, he's saying, I want to send you out. I want to, let's spread out. Let's go find people. Let's stay at their house. Let's get in community. Let's not be afraid to associate with sinners. Let's not be so shocked by the way they talk. Let's not be so shocked by the way that they communicate. Let's not be so shocked that the world is acting like the world. Let's just go and love them. Let's get around them. Let's teach them the kingdom of God, which means I got to get in community with them. You got to be close enough to see that this message leads to a better life. That this is not just about eternity. It's about bringing the kingdom here and now. And I want to evangelize you. I want to help you with that. So let's consider that this week. Even more importantly, let's consider this today. Hopefully, my expounding on how I see Mayfest as an example of the kingdom of God helps to motivate us that maybe this is a valuable moment that we can capitalize. But then, I love these moments where we charge and we rally and we challenge ourselves. But then let's get more consistent with it. Let's get more consistent with it. My goal, my heart, for everybody that calls artisan home and for every Christian for that matter is that we get to a point where evangelism is not just an invitation to a church event and then hope that the pastor does the rest. But evangelism is doing life with people, teaching them, helping them walk, helping them overcome their challenges and their deficiencies. You were anointed, you were appointed to go and reach the lost, to preach the good news about the kingdom of God, which is open and available to everybody. What a great day to do that. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and allow the Holy Spirit to challenge you far more than hopefully my words did, and encourage you. I, I'm encouraged by this message. I'm encouraged by the reminder of my purpose. I, I'm encouraged by the reminder that we all share this call to evangelize the lost. So God, help us. Help us today and every day to have a heart of outreach, a heart of evangelism, a heart to preach the good news, the gospel message of Jesus. God, I pray that we would not be so stressed that we have to have it all together. But God, our journey is going to be a story. Our journey is going to be a testimony. Allowing people into the process is actually going to be a part of drawing people to you. The authenticity, the genuine nature of that story, that narrative, is going to draw people in. So God, just speak to us today. Who, who needs to hear about you? Who have you put us in proximity with that we got to share? Invite, bring tonight. Speak to us, lead us. Would our discernment be so acute to what you're doing all the time? Would we be willing to allow you to apprehend a whole day even? Talk to one person. Would we be so open to this sharing and the preaching of your word? We love you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I just want to pause and thank you for the impact that's going to happen tonight at Mayfest. 
I thank you for those that are going to encounter your love through people. And God, I pray that it would not fall on dry, rocky soil, but it would be seeds that could grow down into roots, that people would find themselves drawn to the community here to, to begin to do life with people in this room. To would add to our numbers. And we would see life change happen as a byproduct of this offering that we're giving you of Mayfest. It's all for you. You get all the glory. You get all the honor and all the praise. Everybody in the house of love Jesus said, amen, amen. You can stay to your feet all across.